It is well with my soul. You know, those are powerful words, period. But when you consider that the guy who wrote them, Horatio Spafford, wrote them right after losing four of his daughters in a terrible, terrible tragedy, it gives a lot more weight to the words. And I feel like in an environment like this, singing those words, in spite of whatever circumstances we might be going through, just carries a lot of weight. And so we've, we've loved worshiping with you. Uh, you know, we are now on week seven of worshiping at home in our pajamas. It's hard to believe it has been that long, but we are so glad that you guys are with us. This has been fun, but we miss you. Uh, we miss gathering together, and I, I really look forward to the day soon that, that we can do that again, but we're so thankful that you're here. And I do just want to acknowledge a lot of you are brand new. Uh, we've seen so many new people come and connect with our community of faith during this season. And if you're new to Seacoast over the last several weeks, we are so glad you're a part of it. Uh, we, we, we love you. We're honored. We want to get to know you. Uh, so let us know whether it's in the comment section, just, hey, I'm new and maybe where you're from and uh, how long you've been coming. But you can also text connect to 32320. We just want to get to know you, want to connect with you. We want to let you know about some great opportunities that are around for you to get connected and take your faith deeper during this season. And I also want to say before I jump into the message, uh, this church has been so generous, uh, and I want to say thank you for your generosity. We've seen God's word, the gospel, go way further than it ever has in the history of our church. We've seen people serve, and it's your faithfulness, your generosity. So thank you. Uh, I really mean that. I wish I could sit with every one of you and say thank you for continuing to be faithful in spite of your circumstances. God is using it, and uh, we're serving more people than we ever have, and uh, the church is going to continue to grow. The church is going to continue to expand regardless of the circumstances. So Thank you guys. As we jump into this week's message, I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever had a sinking feeling that bad news was getting ready to come? All right, it's 2020. We've all had that feeling this year in some form or fashion. But you know what I'm saying? Like, have you ever got an email that said, hey, the boss would like to talk to you uh, at the end of the day? And it's like, all of a sudden, your heart sinks a little bit. It's like, what, what's going on? Like, what is this conversation going to be about? Some of you have had the health situation, or maybe the doctor has called and said, we have the report, and we want to meet with you in person. And you just kind of have this, oh, this, this dread that bad news is coming. Maybe it's every time you've opened up the web browser in the last several weeks, and you're like, what is it now? You know, what did the stocks do now? But this feeling that bad news is coming. You know, there's a phrase that Lisa uses that honestly, I wish she would never use again. Uh, but every now and then, not that often, she'll say, Josh, I need to talk to you about something. <laughs> Garrett, I know you know that feeling. It's, you know, it's, uh, this is not going to be a good conversation. Immediately I start thinking, okay, what, what did I do? What's the date? Did I miss something? What didn't I do? Like, this is not going to be a good conversation. I just know it. It's this feeling that, that bad news is coming. And, and, you know, the reality is for all of us, trouble is coming. Uh, that's actually what the series is about. I hate to break it to you, but Jesus, we're in a series right now called Take Heart, where Jesus said, hey, in this world, you're going to get those bad news moments. Uh, you're going to have right. trouble. This is probably the, the least claimed promise of Jesus in the Bible. Like, in Jesus' name, I'm going to have trouble. You know, yeah. But he said it, you're going to have trouble. But he said, take heart, because I have overcome the world. And so, so how do we do that? How do we live in a world that's full of bad news, 
but maintain a, a spirit of an overcomer. Take heart, we're gonna have courage in the midst of it. And there's, there's a passage of scripture in Philippians 4, 8. Uh, I love it, it's, it's a great, it's one of these verses we should all memorize during this season. Uh, but he says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and this one I love, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. So he's saying, hey, I don't care what the circumstances are. I want you as believers to, to focus your mind, focus your heart on these things. Have a good report spirit, even when there's bad news all around. Psalm 112 said it this way. It said, they do not fear bad news. The people of God, they do not fear bad news. They confidently trust that the Lord will care for them. And that sounds great, but how do we do it? Like, how do we keep a good report spirit when it feels like all we see is bad news? I'm, I'm glad that you asked uh, because there is a great story in the Bible that really illustrates this. It's one of the most epic stories of the Bible. It is both uh, tragic and inspiring at the same time. It's, it's a story of when the people of God, were, 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 they'd been rescued from Egypt, right? They crossed the Red Sea. Now they've traveled up north and they're at the edge of the promised land. They're getting ready to enter in. It's been about one year since they, they crossed the Red Sea and they're getting ready to cross over into this land that God had promised them. He had prepared for them to occupy and now it's go time. It's time to go occupy the land. And look what happens in the story. If you have your Bibles, Numbers 13 and 14, that's where we're gonna be for the rest of the time. But in verse one, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. That was the assignment. It's like, hey, we're right here. We're on the edge. Send some men to go explore, get a scouting report and, and the land that I'm giving to the Israelites. He didn't, he didn't ask them to figure out if I was giving them the land. He said, I've already given you the land. Go explore, go check it out. And I think in this story, we can learn a couple of things about maintaining a good report attitude. I believe that's what God wants for all of us, to have a, a good report attitude, even when there is bad news all around us. The first thing I think we can learn from this story, we'll jump into it, is always face the facts with faith. Yeah. Always face the facts with faith. You know, we can receive the news, but refuse the spin, if you will. You know, re receive the news, but refuse the spin. Do you remember the days when you used to be able to get the news without any spin? I feel like those days are, are long gone. I admire, especially our local news people. But man, when you turn on a national news story, it's impossible to just get the facts without somebody's opinion about it. Somebody's spin on the facts. But if we're gonna be people of good report spirit, we're gonna have to learn to face the facts with faith. And in this story, in Numbers 13, Moses sends 12 different people, 12 spies is what we call them, to go explore the land. And he just wants them to get facts. Look what he tells them. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, it's verse 17. It says, go up through the Negev. And I'm gonna skip forward here. On into the hill country, see what the land is like. Whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good? Is it bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How's the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. You notice what he didn't ask them. He didn't ask him to discover, can we take the land? 
He just said, go explore the land. God had already promised them the land. He wanted some information. He wanted some data about the land. He wanted the facts. And I think as believers, we gotta be willing to look at the facts, to face the facts. And, and so they went and got the facts and they report back to him. This is a report that they gave him. And see if you can notice uh, where, where some people had fear, some people had faith. It says, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land in which he sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. And it says they brought a cluster of grapes that required two people to carry a, a pole on each end and the, the cluster of grapes, it took two men to carry them. I mean, so you're talking about some good stuff, some good fruit. And they're like, here's the fruit. This, these are the facts. And then they continued though. They said, but the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. And then he goes through the Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Coronites, or the Canaanites. Uh, they, they live there, but it's like, there are all these people there. But then look, one of, one of these spies, Caleb, silenced them because he saw they were going from facts to spin. And he said, hey, we should go up and take possession of the land. We can certainly do it. This is Caleb's attitude, faith. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. And he said, we seem like grasshoppers in their own eyes. And we look the same to them. And they began to put some spin on the facts. And here's the thing about facts. The facts are facts. Facts are neither good nor bad. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. But we either will pair facts with fear or we will pair facts with faith. It's our choice in what to do. And here you see 10 of the 12 said, ah, we can't do it. Here are the facts. And, and they filled in some blanks that God never asked them to fill in. You, everybody had the same facts. 10 people paired the facts with fear. Two of them decided we're gonna be different and we're gonna pair it with faith. And you know what? The, the masses won't be looking at the facts with eyes of faith. You'll almost always find more people who will spin with fear than who will with faith. And I even think about the, the coronavirus, what we've been facing. Uh, it is what it is. The facts are the facts. But when you look at how the stock market has plummeted and you look at what has spread, fear has spread much like it did here. If you go into Numbers chapter 14, you see that fear and panic spread throughout the land and, and it, it had dire dire consequences. But faith is being sure of what we hope for and being certain of what we do not see. Yeah. And I don't know what facts you're facing right now, but you're either gonna pair it with fear or you're gonna pair it with faith. And we don't get to determine the facts of our lives. I, I think about my mother-in-law, Bobby. She is a saint. Uh, she's an amazing woman. She's been in this church for a long time, serves on our prayer team. And it's about a year and a half ago, that uh, Lisa and I were flying home from uh, California from a meeting with some friends uh, with A21. And we get a phone call in the airport that something bad has happened and Bobby is in the hospital. And so we're kind of freaking out. By the time we landed the plane, Lisa was on the phone with the doctors and he laid out some facts for us. They had discovered, she was having some, some health challenges. They had discovered a tumor that was in her chest. It was attached to her lungs. It was attached to her heart. And it was about the size of an orange. And we had no idea this thing had been growing in her chest, but now we had this new set 
of facts. And some of you guys have been in a situation like that where we went the next morning, they biopsied her. She was doing terrible. She was in the hospital, uh, couldn't get up, couldn't hardly breathe. And we spent two days awaiting the facts, awaiting the news. What is going to happen? What is going on in her body? And I'll never forget the day that we're all in the hospital room and the doctor comes in and, and she, she looks at us. It's Lisa and I and uh, her sister, uh, her dad, we're all standing there with her mom in the room and, and the doctor says, Here's, here are the facts. We don't know exactly what this is, but it's malignant and it's not good. And for us at the time, it was either, that meant it was either lung cancer or it was lymphoma, but either way it had spread and it had attached to some things and this was bad, bad news. And the moment that she shared those facts, and some of you know what this feels like, the, the wind left the room. We all start crying and you know your lips are quivering you're like oh, is this really happening because we knew what it meant this was not going to be a good prognosis and so she kind of answers a couple of questions and she walks out the room and we're all crying and and Bobby is laying in the bed and the first thing she said she goes well that didn't sound too hard for God I'm thinking I'm the pastor. I should have been the one that said that. But man, I was, ar- I was already attaching fear to the facts. But she chose a different route. And she said, you know what? This is the reality, but I have faith that my God is bigger than that. I have faith that my God is bigger than that. And so we brought our kids in and, and we laid hands on her and we prayed for her that night in the hospital room. And I kid you not, the very next day, she began to feel better. And within 24 hours, that doctor came back and that doctor said, I don't know what's going on here but this is not malignant, this is benign. Uh, and, and we believe that God healed her, but here's, here's the reality. The facts changed in that situation, but, but her faith entered before the facts changed. And, and we have an opportunity, no matter what we're facing, what facts we're dealing with right now, we're gonna pair it with fear or we're gonna pair it with faith. And I wanna ask you, what, what facts are you facing in your life right now? What facts are you facing about your Marriage, maybe. You know, I know this quarantine has put some pressure on mine, on on all of our relationships. What facts are you facing about your health, about your finances? We have to face the facts. We can't deny the reality, but we get to choose what we pair the facts with. And if we're gonna be a people who choose that we're we're gonna be the kind of people that have a good report spirit about us, regardless of the news, we've got to make a determination we are gonna pair the facts with faith. And I don't care what they are, because you can take my life, but you can't take my promise of eternity from me. You can't take the promise of the land that God has given me. I'm gonna pair the facts with faith. And, and you know what? Fear spreads a lot faster than faith. That's, that's just the reality. If you look at the story, two guys had faith, 10 had fear, and before long, the entire camp was struck with panic but we get to set up, stand apart and be different as people of God, yeah. no matter what we're facing. Fear, or face our facts with faith. Second thought that I think we can learn from this story, and this is something we already know, we've talked about it some during the season, but remember that your faith is going to be tested. You know, we could all stand here and go, yeah, I'm gonna face the facts with faith, but the reality is it's gonna be tested. And tests don't produce who you are, they reveal who you are. 
we have been in a season of testing. Something I noticed that was just interesting about this story, uh, after they come back with the report and fear begins to spread, and now all of a sudden the people are going, we want new leaders, they're, they're, they're mad at Moses for taking them here, we wanna go back to Egypt, this is awful. They wanna stone Joshua and Caleb. By the way, when you choose to have faith during tough circumstances, not everybody's gonna love that. And so they wanted to stone these two spies that decided, you know, we, we see it differently. And God became angry with them and there became consequences. But here's, here's what he said to them. He said, but as for you, he's talking to the 10 spies and the people that chose panic. Your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lie in the wilderness. For 40 years, and here's what he says, one year for each of the 40 days that you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. And it's a, a tragic story in a sense that other than Joshua and Caleb, none of the people who were over 20 years old at the time got to actually enter into the promised land. They were tested for 40 days to go explore the land and it produced a 40 year journey in the wilderness. And, and we're, we're all being tested in some form or fashion right now. I think about that story. Was it unloving of God to, to do that? Was it unloving of him to send them into the wilderness? No, I think what would have been unloving is to send them into a promised land that they weren't prepared to take. When they finally did take this land, it took 31 kings they had to battle through. It was a wartime. Occupying that land took a lot of courage and they didn't have it. They weren't ready for it. And so they went into the wilderness to, be, to, to become prepared, to be tested for what was coming. 40 is always a number of testing in the Bible. Even in Moses' life, he had spent 40 years in Egypt and Pharaoh's home. Then he'd spent 40 years in, in the desert. And now he's getting ready to spend 40 more years in the wilderness. Jesus, if you know the story, right after he was baptized, he went for 40 days into the wilderness, fasted, and he was tested. And it's not lost on me that it's been about 40 days since we've been together in person, uh, that we've been in about a 40-day journey of, of quarantine, of dealing with this. I don't know how, long, how much longer it's gonna go, but I believe we're all in a season of being tested. And so let's not rush through it. I mean, I'm looking forward to being back, to, to meeting in person, to getting back to the promised land of, of being in, in church together. But, but what is being revealed in you during this test? Specifically, my, my question for you, as you think about the journey that we've been in, uh, are, are you facing the, the facts that we're dealing with with faith or are you seeing fear creep up? And there's no shame or condemnation. I, I think tests are great. I hated them when I was in school, but, but they reveal where we are. And it doesn't mean we have to stay there. It just means we can go, okay, this is what is being produced in me right now. I wanna choose to deal with. And I believe during our response time today, God is going to minister to us in some of those areas that are surfacing. It's like, man, I'm not sure I'm real proud of what's happening. I remember when we first started experiencing this, this quarantine and, and realizing that, man, we aren't going to be able to experience church in a building. And I'm not going to lie. My first thought was, was fear. Like, I don't know what that's going to, I've never done church outside of a building. And, 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 and thankfully, God didn't banish us to the wilderness for, for 40 years, but he, he began to minister to me in that. And over the, the first week or two, I began to see that fear turn into faith. And now I'm just, I, we had almost 60,000 people join us for Easter this past uh, two weeks ago. We're seeing double the people that used to come to Seacoast right now. And that's not just Seacoast, that's all churches are seeing tons of growth. God has got the attention of our world and we get to deliver 
hope and that fear is turning to faith. And so I would just ask you during your wilderness season that we've been in right now, what's being produced in you? Your faith isn't just gonna be handed to you on a, on a platter. Sometimes we have to fight for that faith. Sometimes we have to fight for that worship. Sometimes we have to push through the fear to get to this place of faith. But when we do, and this is the third thought for us in the story, that, that you, you gotta know people with a good report spirit will occupy the promised land. People with a good report spirit will occupy the promised land. I love how this story ends, Numbers 14, verse 24. Uh, God is kind of delivering all of this news. You're gonna be in the wilderness for 40 years. You guys aren't gonna end the land, but here's what he says. He says, but my servant Caleb has a different attitude than others have. I, I hope that'll be said about you. I hope that'll be said about all of us. My servant Garrett has a different attitude. My servant Brandon has a different attitude. My servant, fill in your name, has a different attitude. It's a good report spirit. And it says, he's remained loyal to me. So I will bring him into the land that he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. It says, because he had a different spirit about him, he's gonna occupy that land. That promise, he's gonna get to experience the fulfillment of it. And I can't imagine what it'd be like to be Caleb, but he is one of my favorite people in the Bible because he goes, he experiences this, this trial, 40-day trial. He comes back, he's like, man, we can do this, we can do this. Everybody else says, no, we can't. And then he has to live with their consequences. For 40 years, he wanders around in the wilderness, but, but we see that he maintains this spirit. Relative anonymity to the other guy, Joshua, he becomes the leader of this group. And, and Caleb's just one of, the, one of the guys and he's fighting alongside of them. And they end up 40 years later occupying the land and he goes in and he fights these battles. And, and then 45 years later, 45 years later, you think you've waited a long time for the fulfillment of your promise? 45 years later in Joshua chapter 14, verses 10 through 12, they've now, They've overcome the 31 kings that they had to overcome. They've dispersed the land. And here's what it says about Caleb. It says, now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time that he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the wilderness, so here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. He goes to Joshua and he says, man, a lot of time has passed, but I'm just as strong today as I was then. My spirit is just as strong today. And you see that mountain, I want it. Give me the mountain, give me the land that God promised me. I'm still holding on to that promise after 45 years. See, that's the kind of spirit that it's gonna take for us to take heart when there's bad news all around us, to be a people of good report. Say, I'm believing God in spite of the facts. I'm gonna choose faith. And he did it for 45 years. How, I wonder how many days went by in that 45 years where he heard another bad report, another delay. It's gonna be a little bit longer. You know, all of his friends passed away during that 45 years other than Joshua. All of his peers, all of his contemporaries, there's a lot of bad days, but he managed to maintain this spirit. And you know what? It's the same spirit that God has put it inside of each of us. It's the same spirit that Jesus said, hey, take heart because I have overcome the world. And guess what? That means you are an overcomer too. In fact, the Bible says we're more than conquerors yeah. through Christ yeah. Jesus who lives in us. That same spirit is available to us today. So what, what promise are you hanging on to right now? 
What promise are you holding on to? Is it a promise for your marriage? You know, I've, I've been through a lot in my own marriage. There have been days we had to hang on to promises. We've gone through really tough, tough stuff in the past. But here's what I know about marriages. I've never seen a marriage fail when both people had a good report attitude. Uh, you still go through the stuff. You're still gonna disappoint each other. That doesn't mean we don't sin from time to time. That doesn't mean, but it means I believe that God is big enough. Yeah. I have a perspective, not on my problems, but on my God, that he is big enough that we can overcome this with his help. And I believe that for you, for your marriage today. Some of you, maybe you have a child that's wandering in the wilderness right now and everybody else has given up on that child. And I wanna say, don't you give up on that child. God has put a different spirit inside of you. God has put a spirit that's gonna fight, that's gonna have faith in spite of the facts. And we're gonna believe that God is gonna move in that child's life. And we're believing that for you even today, that there are gonna be kids that this whole coronavirus, this, this thing that we're all experiencing together is gonna drive them back to Christ. And it's gonna be your faith that's a huge part of bringing them back. Some of you've got promises about your finances, dreams that God has put in your heart. And I wanna tell you the promise that he gave you before coronavirus still stands today. We sung about that earlier. His promise still stands. He has delivered his people then. He's delivered them many times since then and he's gonna do it again and he's gonna do it for you. So I don't know what promise that you're hanging on to, but I believe that if you will choose a Caleb spirit, a good report spirit in spite of the facts, that you're gonna lay hold of that promise, that the fulfillment of that promise is going to come through. You know, there are many promises that I've held on to during this season, but probably the, the, the biggest one that I've, I've clung to is that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I told you about the fear that I was feeling and wondering how is this gonna work? None of us knew we're exploring brand new land, brand new territory, but God has been faithful to that promise. And we have seen the church continue to expand. And I believe that if every one of us will go, you know what? We're gonna have trouble. This is a promise too, but we're gonna choose to be a people who take heart who allow the spirit of God to, to prevail. We're gonna have a bigger perspective on our God than we do on our problems. That we're gonna see that promise blow up in ways that we've never seen in our lifetime. That we're gonna see people come to Christ. Some of you are gonna do it today. That you're gonna realize, man, I can live with a different spirit. Same world, same reality, but a different spirit. And that's my hope. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for us as a church. And what would it look like? You know, what if all 12 spies had the spirit of Caleb? You know, they, they, would have, they would have gone into that land and they would have taken that land. The only thing that changed from that, that season was, was their, their attitudes changed and, they, they, and, and God allowed them to walk into that land. But man, I'm believing, what if all of us took on a good report spirit? Said, so, you know what, you can bring on the news, bring on the facts, but I'm gonna refuse the spin and I'm gonna pair it with faith and we're gonna see God come through in ways that we've never seen before. Would you guys pray with me as we close? God, that is my prayer for me, that is my prayer for our team. That is my prayer for every person who is with us today. God, would we be a people that when we are faced with facts, good news, bad news, neutral news, Lord, we are gonna pair it with our faith. We're gonna believe, God, that your promise still stands. We're gonna believe, God, that, that breakthrough is coming. So often we wanna quit just before 
the breakthrough. And I just pray, Lord, for that person who may be watching today, who's with us today, that's on the edge of quitting, maybe in their marriage, maybe uh, on their family, maybe even in life, that this moment, that this would be a moment that you impart in us, Lord, the spirit of Christ, that we would take heart, that we would be overcomers and that breakthrough is coming. And so God, I pray over every marriage. I pray over every family. I pray over our finances. I pray over our future. God, that we would be a people who take hold of the promised land because you've given us a spirit of faith that we're gonna tackle whatever problem comes our way. Lord, we're gonna believe that you are bigger and that your promises are bigger and that your love is gonna endure. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, listen, we're gonna respond to God together. And uh, I don't know what that's gonna look like for you and your living room or your apartment, wherever you are, but I wanna encourage you to just take a little bit of space. For some of you, you know, when we're gathered together, we have crosses uh, in our, our worship centers. I doubt you have big crosses and paper, but what I wanna, want you to do is visualize that moment. And for a lot of us, I just want us to make an exchange right now. Uh, I want you to write out whatever it is that you've been fearful of. Write it in your journal, write it on a piece of paper. Say, God, I wanna, I wanna exchange this fear for faith. Would you put faith in me? Some of you for the very first time just gonna say, you know what, I'm choosing to believe in Jesus. I'm choosing to put my trust and faith in him who's already died for my sin. He's already paid for my past and he's preparing me for a different future. Today, you're just gonna say, you know what, I'm believing, I'm choosing to do that. And, and write out whatever that fear is, whatever that area is that you wanna just say, I wanna exchange this. I'm gonna choose to pair my life, my circumstances with faith. If you make that choice today, I just wanna encourage you to text the word HOPE to 32320. We wanna come alongside of you. We've seen hundreds and hundreds of people over the last several weeks that have chosen a path of faith over fear by putting their trust and faith in Jesus. And you, you may wanna do that today. Some of us are gonna receive communion and we've talked about this. You can get whatever's available to you. Uh, the juice, uh, bread. I would take Hawaiian bread if I were you. That's like the best. I grab some Hawaiian bread, dip it in the juice and let's just remember that we're not talking about mustering up some faith on our own. We're talking about relying on Jesus and what he's already done. It's already been finished. He's already done the heavy lifting. We just get to partner with him in this life. And so we'll take communion. Remember his body, his blood that were sacrificed for us. Some of us are gonna give and you can text any amount to 320-320 just as an act of faith to go, you know what, I'm gonna be generous. I'm gonna choose to, to, to even in my finances and my future, there's a lot of uncertainty there, but we're going, you know what, I'm gonna be a person of generosity. Some of you need prayer. And I just wanna encourage you, we would love to pray for you. You can put it in the comment section and we'll jump on it. I love watching people put their prayer requests in comments, whether that's on Facebook or YouTube or our church online platform and just seeing the community of faith jump on it. Go, you know, I'm believing, I'm gonna pray. If you'd rather have a private moment of prayer, you can go to, into one, a chat with one of our team, but we would love to pray for you and pray that God would build your faith through this season. And we're gonna worship and we're gonna sing about an incredible God. And as we do that, I just pray that a spirit of faith, a spirit of hope would fill you and that we're gonna sing and celebrate an awesome God. So let's respond to him together.